Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. How's everybody doing today? Who got fogged in this morning? Anybody? Driving in from Wheatley, there's a lot of fog. It was good. It was good. We are glad you're here today and uh, glad you could join us this morning at church. And we're going to watch a video here in a second, but I'm going to introduce it really quickly here. We're hosting an event here in February, and it's basically about how to share our faith in the places we work, uh, Jesus in the marketplace. However, we want to expand the definition of the marketplace a little bit. We want to invite anybody in that wants to come to this event. Uh, it's a live streaming event here that will happen in February to understand, to be equipped about what it means to share the gospel in our day-to-day life, not just where we work but where we play, where we go to school, maybe as a retired person. So that's what the message will entail this morning. So here's a video uh, that's uh, going to explain a little bit about the uh, one-day seminar will look like in February. So let's roll that video, please. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine-to-five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business. Work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, or around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, It's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church, whether we love or dread our work. We choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and towards the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days on our calendars that have meaning. Every day on mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. 
On February 23, 2018, over 2,000 churches across the country are hosting the first ever Work as Worship Retreat. Please join us and other business leaders from your church and community. Speakers will include Patrick Lencioni, Matt Chandler, Joel Manby, Phil Fisher, and many more. Tickets are only $25 at www.workasworshipretreat.org. We'll see you there. And those details about this event are in your bulletin as well. You can call the church office if you have any questions. Again, it's not just for people in the marketplace. We're expanding that a little bit and saying anybody can come to this event. It gets, it's on a, on a Friday afternoon, starts in the morning, ends in the afternoon. I know it's kind of tricky for work schedules, but I encourage you to attend and to register and to learn about what it means to look at work as worship, but also the opportunities we can have to share the gospel with the people that we rub shoulders with on a day-to-day basis. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to talk to somebody who works in the marketplace in a, in a place of employment that he has, and uh, to hear about some of the challenges that come with uh, being a Christ follower, uh, and also some of the joys of that also uh, when you're in the, wor- in the workplace as well. So I'm going to invite Jason Fiss to come on up. We're going to interview him and ask him a few questions. Give Jason a big hand. J- Jason told me, can you go on my left left side? Yeah. I don't go right. I don't go right. Okay. I can't go right. So, thanks, man. Here you go. It's already on, I believe. So. Hello? Jason's Hello. not feeling great this morning, so I said to him out in the foyer, if you're going to get sick, throw up directly on me. And so, I don't have a change of clothes, and so... But it's throwing up good. on stage is, like, hard to time comedically, so I'm not going to okay. this time. There we go. Jason, tell us about the work you do. Uh, okay, I'm, uh, I'm an aircraft maintenance engineer with a structures rating, which is big words for saying I fix airplanes. Um, and I fix large airplanes, so, which is kind of cool. Um, next time you guys fly across the country or go on a vacation far away, I'm one of those guys that made sure that it was okay for you to get on and fly to your vacation or move across the country. Um, so that's, that's what I do. My, the S uh, with the structures rating, I, I don't necessarily play with the engines or the landing gear. I'm more concerned with the structures. So other less important things like wings and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I work a lot with sheet metal, rivets, compasses and stuff. I'm really good at fixing boats too. Um, just as a sidebar, but yeah. He's looking to supplement his income, so if you need a boat fix, uh, that's what he can do There's for not you. a lot of money in aviation. So. Anyways. Where, are you in Windsor? I do. I, yeah, I work in Windsor. Okay. Um, so when you're at the airport, there's the, all the airport facilities and stuff like that, but then there's a really big building, and I work in there. It has to be big to, you know, have the airplanes inside. Yes, that makes sense. Good. <clears throat> now, as far as a Christ follower and uh, having your faith uh, part of your life, obviously, what are some of the challenges you face at work with being a uh, follower of Jesus and bringing that faith into your work environment? Um, well, I guess I have to say that aviation is quite challenging from the perspective of uh, getting the work done on time, um, quickly, but safe, um, because there aren't many gas stations very high up in the sky. So you have to make sure you do your job right the first time. But there's also a lot of money involved. When airplanes are on the ground, they don't make any money. They cost money. Um, and they cost a lot of money when they're not in the sky. So um, when you take into consideration that you have to do your job quickly and efficiently um, and on time, 
Um, and then what we're also noticing, not just in aviation, but in, in trades in general, there's a decline. The decline is starting in trades in general. Now you have less people to do those jobs. And so what ends up happening is you end up with long working days, long working hours. Um, you're doing, you're, you're just working all the time, it, it almost seems. And it can, be, it can be kind of stressful. So I suppose the biggest challenge, beside, you know, doing my job properly and safely for all of you, um, is uh, balancing that work with the rest of life. Because the rest of my life doesn't stop. I have two kids who don't stop ever. Uh, I have a wife, and we have other things that we're involved in. And so you have to, finding that work-life balance is actually probably the biggest challenge that I think I find with my work. So when you think about uh, your work and your faith and this idea of bringing Christian values, kingdom values to where you work, and perhaps some of the folks you work with know that you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Having said that, and maybe some of the things you go through at work, whether it's a disgruntled employee or some other situations, how do you bring your faith into reality in the day-to-day workplace? And how do people see that in about you where you work? I think it's, a, for me, I would have to say a measure of consistency. Um, just in character and how I look at dealing with different situations when, uh, when crises arise and stuff aren't going quite right or we were just recently bought out. So you can imagine when um, you're being bought out by another large company, you, a lot of questions are now running around the shop floor. Am I going to have a job? What am I going to do if I don't have a job? And, and all that kind of stuff. And I think the difference um, for me, because of my faith, um, actually... It's sort of a, a life application to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about uh, the sparrows. They, they, they don't worry about whether or not they're going to have food. They don't worry about Solomon. When he, was, he was rich. He was, he was richer than probably the owner of Amazon right now. And Jesus said that his glory was paled in comparison to the flowers of the field. So if God can take care of sparrows and flowers, I think he can take care of us. And so... I think where it comes to my faith, it's, it's that assurance that, you know, the, the struggle is, is real and, and the stress is real and it's, you know, there quite frequently. But um, knowing that truth, that God cares more about you than, and I think that that translates out in, in my character, I think, where I don't struggle with that. And when I have people ask me those questions, I can tell them, look, you know, this is, this is why I'm not as worried as... as Maybe I could be or should be. Hmm. Very good. Now, what do you think about uh, where, you're, where God's placed you in this season of life? And there's opportunities that come up, and uh, you talk about people seeing how you're not worrying through situations. Uh, how can we pray for you specifically about your workplace and things that are coming up, whether it's uh, work challenges and the shifting of new ownership uh, or anything else that we can pray into for you as Christ used you uh, at the workplace? Well, I think... Uh, just uh, can continue with integrity and also wisdom, I think, too, to balance out the, the work-life dynamic. Because like, like what was said in the video, I, I do like what I do. It's not one of those things where I'm, I work 70 hours a week and it's hard for me to get up in the morning and go do that. I'm not working 70 hours a week right now. It's only 50. But um, doing those long hours and stuff, um, but to have that integrity in the workplace, but also the wisdom to know, okay, Yes, I really like the job I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. but it's time to go home because there's children there, my wife is there, there are other things I need to do besides this, and to just know when it's all right to work the overtime and when it's time to not work as much. 
Well, you know, it's good to hear from Jason and uh, to hear about just how uh, the practicality of faith and work come into play with family and balance and also trying to be salt and light in the workplace. So I hope this encourages you. We're going to pray for Jason and let him go. Jesus, thanks for Jason and his life, and thank you for the place you put him in for his work. Thank you that he has a job, and I pray, God, that you would use him mightily there, that people would see that uh, he loves you and he's following you. And when things don't go so well at work, that you give uh, Jason patience and wisdom and continue to walk with him through the integrity he shows and the character he shows as well. So Holy Spirit, use him, and I pray this is an encouragement for all of us this morning that we can look at our life as an opportunity to be witnesses for you. So thank you for Jason and how you have your hand upon him, Holy Spirit. Continue to guide him. Thank you for his family as well. Bless him and the family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jason. Give him a hand. Can you give that to Chris? Thanks. All right. We are going to dive in. And if you have the Bible in front of you, the pew are on page 1001. And that's where we're going to be tracking this morning. And we called this sermon Gone Fishing uh, because I am not a fisherman at all. Uh, and yet we look at a great story in here out of Scripture and how Jesus used people's lives about the idea of fishing to encourage the building of the kingdom. So uh, that's a good thing. So let's dive right in. We read this in Mark, uh, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. I'm just going to read that to you right now. After John was put into prison, this is John the Baptist, uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, and he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So John the Baptist has prepared the way. Uh, Jesus was baptized. He was tested, and now he's coming out in public ministry and saying, you need to repent because the good news is here, it's arrived, and that good news is Jesus. And this idea that uh, Jesus is saying to repent, and that simply means to turn away uh, from the things we're doing and literally physically turn on and look towards God and, and walk towards God as we follow him and to repent from the things that are keeping us back from a deepening relationship with God. And that's what he's saying to people. That's the message. He's also saying to believe as well, to believe in him, the good news, which simply means to trust. Uh, we trust in who Jesus is because of what he said he would do and who he is in our life. And that's what he is saying to people. And, he's, and he talked to specifically two brothers uh, who were fishermen. And we'll continue to read as well in verses 16 to 18. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, so here's Jesus, and he's walking, and he sees Simon and Andrew, and these guys decide to follow Jesus. Now, theologians have suggested that Simon and Andrew had heard the gospel earlier, the news about Jesus before, and these guys suddenly decided to follow him. And the Spirit of God was already working in their lives. And they immediately dropped everything and followed them right away. Now, Mark doesn't tell us much about these two brothers. In John's Gospel, though, in chapter 1, verses 35 to 42, we learn that these disciples, these particular ones, were followers of John the Baptist. So they heard about the message. And that's why I believe that the Holy Spirit is working and they're ready to move and to move forward and to follow, follow Jesus. So these two guys are fishermen. It was, a, it was a business that these guys were involved in. It was their livelihood. It was their job. That's what they did for a living. This was their day-to-day -day life. Now, what's interesting about this, God shows up. Jesus shows up and he interrupts their life. 
just interrupts it and says, all right, I got a task for you, I got a mission for you, I want you to follow me. And that's what happens here. And what's interesting about this, Simon and Andrew made a pretty decent living at fishing. And there's a lot of mouths to feed as well. Uh, but when you're fishing, it requires certain skills. I am not a fisherman. I've only fished a few times in my life, and I didn't do so well. Uh, some of you folks are probably really good at fishing, which is awesome. But there's certain skills that we need when we fish. And here's just a couple of things that tie into being a fisherman, but also when it comes to sharing the gospel. Uh, there's a connection here, and I'll just read these to you really quickly. When you fish, uh, you got to be diligent. Uh, you can't be afraid of the work. There's got to be time put into work, and there's a diligency that comes with that. And when you think about fishing and you think about sharing the gospel, we need to be diligent in that as well. When we talk about sharing the, the gospel in the marketplace, the places we work, the places we go to school, where we play in our communities as full-time parents, and we're expanding that marketplace role saying, how is God using me? And we need to be diligent as well. We also need to be patient. When you are fishing, and you know this here for fisher, you've got to be patient. You're not just suddenly going to put your hook in the water and fish are going to show up just like that. You've got to be patient. And it's the same thing when it comes to sharing Jesus with other people. We need to be patient. We need to have experience. Fishermen have an instinct. Uh, they know how to fish. They know where to go. It's not always perfect, but they have an instinct to fishing, especially people that have to do this for a living. And there's people in our world today that do that, that do this as full-time work. Uh, but when it comes to winning souls as well and sharing the gospel, we need experience. We need to step out and trust the Holy Spirit is going to lead us. And the more we do it, I think the more we're going to be stronger in what God is doing in our life. We need to persevere as well. Fishermen have to go from one place to another. The fish aren't always in one spot. And it's the same thing when it comes to sharing the gospel. We've got to persevere and to work together with the Holy Spirit as we share the gospel. It takes courage, doesn't it? There are many people out there that do this for full time as a living that are put in dangerous situations. The weather doesn't always cooperate and people are in situations where their life might be on the line and they need courage to be able to fish. And it's the same thing for us when we think about sharing the gospel. It takes courage. It takes strength to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We also need to be humble in what we're doing. Uh, there's a humility to people that fish uh, because they know that they don't have all the answers but they're open to be there and to learn. And it's the same thing when it comes to <coughs> fishing. Now also, it also takes faith. Uh, when you fish, you gotta have faith that it's gonna work itself out. And what's amazing about this, we have to have faith as well. And Jesus says to these guys that you need to come follow me and I'll send you out to be fishers of men. Now notice Jesus makes this personal. He makes it personal for these guys that are fishermen. And what's amazing is about that, he could see that these guys had a skill, which is fishing. And we all have different skills as well. Perhaps you're a teacher or an engineer. Maybe he would have said to you, let me show you how to be a teacher for men, how to show the, share the gospel as a teacher, as an engineer, as a homemaker, whatever it takes that God would use us to further his kingdom. Now, there must have been something very compelling about this message. These guys left their job. And they follow Jesus. There's a work of the Holy Spirit going on, but these guys decided, I'm going, I'm moving. I'm gonna follow you, Lord Jesus. So there must be something very compelling to the message that Jesus had for them. Now maybe you come here this morning and you made a decision to follow Jesus years ago or recently, and you said, you know what? I'm gonna follow him. You learned about him through your Bible. You heard a song, you went to a church service and you learned about Jesus and you said, you know what? I'm in, I'm gonna follow Jesus. He's called me, I'm gonna follow him wherever he wants me to go. 
And maybe that was years ago. Maybe it was recently. But something happened in your life. Maybe it's happening today. There's a gradual pullback in your life where your passion for following him and being all in isn't as strong as it used to be, but it's become so gradual that you barely even notice it. And all of a sudden, you're just kind of going through the motions of faith, and instead of being all in for Jesus, you're just kind of in the peripheral. And I think when Jesus says here to follow him, he is giving them a lifelong mission and saying that we need to follow you, Jesus. And that's the thing that he is calling them to do. And as you think about that, this idea that Jesus is saying, my mission that I have for you is the same mission I'm giving you. And that's what we're called to do, to be on mission for the kingdom. And again, I don't think it was clever wordplay necessarily to say, well, let's just pick a random word and call them fishers of men. He used a specific word there because that's what they were good at. And that's what we're called to do is use the skills that God has given us to be all in for the kingdom. Now, what's interesting about this too is that as Jesus came and said, repent and to follow him, he is saying to them, John the Baptist came and prepared the way. That's great, but now you need to follow me. I have come in the power of the Holy Spirit. Follow me. And we talked about repenting, this idea of being on the same page as God and, and doing things in our life that honor him. Maybe you've come here this morning, that's something you need to do in your life. And to think about something you need to repent from that's holding you back from a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Christ. Maybe you come this morning, you don't even know who Jesus is, and God is doing something in your heart to say, come and follow me. And sometimes in our life, we can make choices that keep us far from God. And maybe God's saying, I need you to repent from this because I have more for you. Maybe it's just something that keeps going in our life, which is a character issue or a habitual sin or unforgiveness, whatever it might be, he might be saying to you, repent, follow him, follow me, follow Jesus. You know, what's interesting is we talk about following Christ. It's not just for our sake. We follow Jesus for other sakes as well. And I think sometimes what happens is in the church, we get so caught up in our own stuff. We get so caught up in reading the Bible, which is great. Going to church, which is awesome. Being in a life group, which is fantastic. All those things are all good. But sometimes we forget there's more to following Jesus than just those things. It's about sharing the gospel and giving the hope that we have for other people. The Bible says in Philippians 2, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. This is a call to join Jesus on mission, to be on mission, to make this not about us, and to be excited about the greatest mission we will ever have, and that is following Jesus and giving that to other people. See, fishing is a great thing. Uh, and when you think about fishing, you got to have a few tools, don't you? When you go fishing, what do you need on your rod? You need a hook, don't you? In order to catch something, you need a hook. And here's the great thing about having a hook when it comes to fishing. You're going to catch something. Now, when you think about evangelism and sharing the, the gospel in the marketplace, we all have a hook. Every single person that calls themselves a Christ follower has a hook. And you know what your hook is? You know what my hook is? It's our story. It's our story of what God has done in our life and the things that he has done in our life so we can share it with other people. There's a freedom that comes when we follow Jesus. And we have a story, which is our hook. We should be sharing that with joy and excitement and with fervor. And that's what we need to be doing as we think about fishing and being fishers of men, catching people for the kingdom. Because when we tell our story and, and we get to learn, other people are gonna be excited about it as well. 
And we need to share our stories because every single person that follows Jesus has a story. And what's great about our story is not because of how bad we've been, but it's about how good God is. That's the difference for our story. That's what makes our story so compelling. So as you come this morning, you have a story to tell. Every single one of us has a story to tell. And it's a testimony. And we need to share that story. And we've said that a few times from up here. I've said that often. That's a mantra I follow in my life. My story that God has given me will bring glory to his kingdom because the story I have is personal and it's real. And you have one as well. And we need to connect those dots through the kingdom and how our story ties in. In order to have our story be effective as a fisherman as well, if you got a hook, if you want to catch fish, what do you need to do? You need to put your bait in the water. And that's what your story is. So you got your hook, which is your story. And now you've got your story, which you need to put into the water. Because if you're a fisherman and you got your hook, but you don't put your bait in the water, you're not going to catch anything, are you? You're going to go home empty-handed. We have a story, and we need to put that story in the water. Now, what does that mean? It simply means to share your story. See, we all have a story. We love telling stories, but so often we keep the story we have to ourselves, and we think nobody's interested in our story. But God has a story in our life, and other people would love to hear your story. This past week was our prayer week, and on Tuesday night, people came forward and prayed for healing, and there were stories being shared about what God is doing, what God has done in people's lives. When you think about your life, you think about that hook and your story, and you think about putting your bait in water, are you in a position where you can speak out about your story, about putting your bait in the actual water and sharing the gospel with other people and being open to the idea that God can use you mightily to further his kingdom? We need to speak it out and share it. Recently, I was just at my doctor, and we were talking about some medical history that I have, and uh, he saw my incision on my stomach, and years ago, uh, I had my appendix removed, and when I had my appendix removed, they diagnosed me with Crohn's disease, and I suffered with Crohn's disease for about four years. This was many, many years ago, and the Lord has healed me since, and I won't share that story today. It's a powerful story of how God just healed my life, and I shared that story with my doctor very recently, he saw my incision. He goes, what's that all about? I said, well, I got my appendix out. And, I said, and he's like, well, they didn't do a very good job on your incision. I said, well, that's too bad. And I said, he said, what happened with that? I said, well, my appendix almost ruptured, and they uh, diagnosed me with Crohn's disease, and I no longer have it. He goes, well, what do you mean you no longer have it? I said, well, God's healed me from Crohn's disease. And he kind of looked at me, and he says, what do you do for a living? I told him, I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, okay, I believe you then. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> And what was neat about that, it allowed me to talk a little bit more about the story that God has done in my life and the healing that I received from the Holy Spirit in my life. Do you see how that got connected to the kingdom and how God used that? And I had a moment. I could have walked through that door and been bold, or I could have been like, I'm not saying nothing. But I went, I went for it. Because if we believe that God is with us in all circumstances, we should walk through that door with confidence. Not because of anything I've done, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. When we were living in Calgary years ago, we had moved into a new community, and it would snow, obviously, in Calgary, and my neighbor, he would be outside shoveling the sidewalk. And I thought, what a great way to meet somebody. So I would go out there, and I'd start shoving my sidewalk, and with him, and I started to get to know this guy. His name was Corey. Got to know him. And I'd go out there, and I would talk to him, and, and just start sharing about life, etc. And uh, I would ask him some questions. And every time it snowed, I went out there. And I think he dreaded every time it snowed because he knew when it snowed, I'd be out there with him. 
And so we'd be out there shoving the sidewalk together, and after a couple of times, he started to trust me a little bit more, and he started to share a little bit, and he started sharing about his marriage and the struggle they're having. And he had talked about some of the things they're going through. And then I shared about my life with my wife, Laura, as well, and some of the struggles we've had as well, and talked about how God has helped us in our relationship, has really helped us come so far in where we used to be. And he, he kept listening, and, and we talked some more. We ended up going for chicken wings a couple of times and ended up inviting him to my church. I was pastoring at a church, and we did a thing every six weeks or so called Friendship Family Sunday, where we would gear the service specifically for people that were seeking. We had testimonies, we had different stories, and invited Corey to come to church. And he came on a Friendship Sunday, and guess what he did? He gave his life to Jesus. And that's because I used a story out of my own life, and I put the bait in the water, and here's a gentleman that gave his life to Christ because of what God can do in and through us. Now, here's the thing. When you go fishing, and like I said, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure when you go fishing, you should go where there's fish, correct? Amen? All right, because if you go fishing in a swimming pool, you're probably not gonna catch anything, are you? So we need to go where the fish are because we can't catch fish unless there's fish around. And those places where the fish are, guess where they are? The practical places in our life, work, school, in our communities, the people we connect with. Those are the places where there's fish. And we're called to be fishers of people, to share the gospel with people. And every single one of us has that opportunity to do that. Because the majority of you that work spend more time at your job than you do here. And that's a good thing. And there's an opportunity to share the gospel about who Christ is in our life and be able to say to people, this is the difference you can make in your life as well. And that's what we need to understand is that we're all called to be fishers of people, every single one of us. And the idea is that we should follow Jesus and be on mission with him, and we can't separate the gospel from our life. Because sometimes what happens in the church is somebody comes to faith, they accept Christ, which is awesome, they go to church, they read their Bible, those things are all good. But sometimes we forget that there's other people that need to hear the gospel. And sometimes we have this idea that I'll just keep it to myself. The problem with that is that's a big donut theology. And what I mean by that is if we are keeping the gospel to ourselves, it's like a donut with a big hole in the middle. There's something missing. We're not connecting the dots because it isn't just simply about us. It's about sharing the gospel with other people, including the places we work. And I understand that work is a sensitive place because you can't say so much and you gotta be very careful. I get all of that. I've worked in the secular world before. I know what it's like. But what we need to be doing is praying through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us to open those conversations. Even if we're going to school or a homemaker in our community, we need to be praying through those opportunities. And when God gives it to us, we walk through that door. I also understand that it's fearful to share the gospel, isn't it? It's not the easiest thing in the world. It's a scary thing. But yet again, I repeat it, and I'll say it again because the Bible says this. If we believe that God is with us till the end of the age, he's with us in all circumstances, and when he pulls out an opportunity in front of us, we have an opportunity to walk through that door and share a story or encourage somebody and come along. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to walk through that to make a difference as people need to hear about the gospel. And I think there's opportunity for us all the time. But I think sometimes what happens is we either ignore him, we're afraid, and we don't put those glasses on of the kingdom, and we don't walk through those opportunities. So as you think about fear, think about your life, 
I get it. I understand it wholeheartedly. It's not easy. But the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than any of our fears. And the Holy Spirit can lead us and direct us in these things. Story in Scripture, it's from Matthew 4. And it ties into the same story, but it's a different interpretation of what it says here, but I'm going to read it to you really quickly. Matthew 4, verses 21 to 22. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw two brothers, two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come to, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, I underline the word immediately, because what's interesting to me about that word is there on purpose. It's because I think sometimes we forget that there should be a sense of urgency for every single one of us that people need to hear the gospel and the truth of who Christ is. But the urgency level in our churches seems to be so low that we forget that there's people in this world, people we rub shoulders with, people in our family that don't know Christ, that are going to be away from eternally unless we're bold enough to walk through that door, to share a gospel, to present, to plant a seed. It's not up to us to lead anybody to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. However, we need to be open enough, bold enough to share a little snippet, a little story, just about who God is in your life, and so many amazing things can happen. My father passed away in March, a year coming up, and he came to Christ a few days before he died. I mean, the urgency level for me is turned up even more so because of my mom. She doesn't believe in Christ yet. I talked to her again the other day. They're having this big ceremony for my dad in two weeks. And they, it's a Hindu celebration. It's not even a celebration. And they're doing this thing. And it breaks my heart because she's, she seemingly is so far from Christ. But I don't know what's going on in the heavenlies. I get that. But the urgency level for her and for me has been turned up dramatically. And we need to look at life like that too and understand that we can't force somebody to Christ, but if there's opportunity to share something, we gotta go for it. And that's the thing we gotta be reminded as we think about this idea of urgency. Now I understand that I'm in a position as all of our staff here that we work in a place where we get to further the kingdom on a day-to-day basis. That's what we do. That's what we're hired to do and we love what we do. I, I get that. Yet we also have to understand that The Bible talks about the temporal and the eternal. Every single one of us can be a witness for the kingdom. It doesn't matter that you work, whether it's installing rivets on the assembly line, you're selling vacuum cleaners, you're a full-time parent, you're a student in school, you're a manufacturer. Whatever it is, you're a truck driver. All these things are noble jobs. And we cannot separate where God has called us to work with the gospel. They go hand in hand. And yet I understand that in the job I do and the rest of the stuff, it's more obvious to see the impact we're potentially having. I get that. And you might go, well, you don't understand it. I understand it because I've worked in the second world before. I know what it's like. But we have to be bold and to pray. How many of you pray for the people you work with? How many of you pray for the people you work with that the Holy Spirit would bring you opportunity to be a witness? Whether it's a circumstance in their life that would bring forth a conversation about the hope that comes in Christ. Picture this for a second. If every single one of us, our staff included, myself included, I'm not saying we're not doing this, but we we fervently prayed that one person in our own life would come to the kingdom, would find Jesus. Meadowbrook would experience the harvest like it's never experienced before. Isn't that what it's about? 
So the question is, and the question is also for me, what are we doing about this in our life? Are we able to share the gospel? Are we open to this idea of being salt and light where God has placed you? I've worked in the secular world. Some of the jobs I've had are terrible. And I, I just hated some of my jobs. But at the end of the day, I looked at my job and I kind of said, you know, Lord, you know I don't like what I do. However, give me opportunity to be a witness to where I am. In the small things, it doesn't have to be this big thing, but the small things, and those doors will open. I wholeheartedly believe that. I was working at an auto body place. It was a heavy-duty mechanic place where uh, my job was to help the mechanics in the back and the front office staff have a system in place to understand billable hours for mechanical work, and there's a big disconnect. So they hired me to come in and kind of be the manager on site, and my job was to kind of fix that. And so what happened was, uh, as I worked there, I got to know some of the people, and there was a disconnect between the staff up front and the mechanics in the back. And they knew that I was a Christian, and they actually kind of didn't mock me, but they kind of took some digs at me for it. So my job was to sit in the front and work on the computer, go back there once in a while where the mechanics were, but I didn't spend a lot of time back there. And I would dress like in jeans and a shirt. It was all good. But what I thought would make a difference was this. I would go and I started after a couple of weeks working there, I started to put on my overalls in the afternoon. After lunch, I'd go to the back, I'd put on my overalls, and I'd start working in the back. I was cleaning, I was sweeping, I was asking mechanic questions. I was like, oh, that's really cool. How'd you do that? I'd love to learn about this. I just started getting to know the guys a little bit. And I noticed there's a thawing going on between us. And they would have lunch together at lunchtime, and the management and the, and the mechanics never really hung out together. It was just a broken place. And they actually invited me to sit with them at lunchtime. And I did. I got to know these guys. And what was really cool was God used an opportunity with one of the mechanics who's going through a tough time. He's like, oh, you're a Christian, are you? He started making fun of me a little bit. And then in his little silliness and making fun of me and just kind of having fun with me, he started to share his heart and the struggles he's going through in his family. And I got to pray with this guy. And that opened other doors with the other mechanics. It was really, really amazing. And what was cool was the management and the mechanics started having a better relationship across the board. See, I get it. I understand it. But here's the thing. As we think about this idea of being in the kingdom together and building the kingdom, each one of us is called to be a witness. Now, I know sometimes we think about living on our faith and making a difference in the world that it can be hard, but as we think about this and we think about this worship retreat we're gonna do for that one day, here's an opportunity for you to come and to get some tools practically and to learn about some of the things we can do as we think about work as worship. I'm gonna call the worship team to come on up. And we're gonna wrap this up. As we wrap this up, and as you've come this morning and you think about your life and the places that God has placed you outside of these walls, some of you are in a tough position at work right now. It's not going so great. Some of you are loving what you're doing, and those things are all good. Some of you might be in between. But as you look at work and at school and being a homemaker in your community and look at those as opportunities to worship God and allow him to open those doors to be salt and light, the difference he's going to make is going to be eternal. We may not see the results, but if we're investing in those opportunities, I think it's important for us to walk through that as well. As you come this morning, as you think about the landscape of the organization you work in, the landscape of the school you attend, or the community you live in, are you willing to take that extra step to say, Lord Jesus, this is your calling on my life. I need you to open the doors for me, to further your kingdom, to lead people to Christ, to share the hope that we truly have in Jesus. Because sometimes I think we forget the awe 
the awe of Jesus and what he can do in people's lives. As you come this morning, simple question for you is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today about this message? What do you need to do? What do you need to do? Do you need to write down the names of the people you work with and pray for them on a regular basis? Do you need to pray for the the professors at your school on a regular basis? Do you need to be more bold? Do you need to have those opportunities come forward so the Holy Spirit can guide you? I get when we talk about evangelism, it can be one year and out the other because, all right, I've heard this again. But here's the thing. Are we willing to turn up the urgency to understand that people need Jesus? That's the bottom line. And I want to do what I can to help people come into the kingdom, to be ushered in. Because I believe in the hope of Christ and each one of you does as well. And if you've come here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, I'm going to say this to you. Following Jesus is not perfect. It's not the easiest decision you'll ever make, but it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And it will impact you forever. And if God is tapping in your heart that you need to follow him, I encourage you to do that. But if God is also saying to you, you need to be all in for the mission. All in like you've ever been before. As the Holy Spirit leads you, I encourage you to walk through that. Look at work in your life, in your school, as worship. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your love for us. Thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we think about what's ahead this week, as you think about what you have for us. Father, I pray you impart in us an urgency level that we've never experienced before, that there'd be a holy discontent in our heart that we would be up at night because you're waking us up to pray for somebody that we work with or somebody in our family or somebody in our school and we would see people through your eyes. Lord, we know we can't lead anybody to you, only the power of the Holy Spirit can. But I pray, God, that you would empower us to do so in such a way. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be humble in this. And Lord, all glory to you. This is anything any of us can do on our own. And so, Lord, we pray for these opportunities. And Lord, help us to give away the joy of the Lord to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as we get ready to close in prayer, we are going to open up the altars. If you need prayer for anything, we have people who will be happy to pray for you and encourage you to make use of this. Because uh, there's always something we could be praying for. And as we say, today could be the day that God answers that prayer. So when we close, we'll ask you to come forward. And if you don't want to participate in that, that's more than fine. If you want to stay and visit, we're just going to encourage you to visit out there in the lobby or head down the hall. And that's just so we can have some quiet in here for those who are looking for prayer today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the message that Pastor Mesh has brought and just his heart to see people come into the kingdom and how he leads us and inspires us in that way. And Lord, I pray pray that as we move forward from here, that this would not be something that uh, that we dismiss, that we lose, that Holy Spirit, you would put this deep into our hearts, that you would nag at us with it in a good way, where we begin to look around and say, okay, where is the opportunity? Because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, you said the fields are ripe for the harvest now, that there are people in our lives right now who need to hear our story, who need to hear about the goodness and love of Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. So Lord, open our eyes wide and in those moments, Holy Spirit, give us the boldness 
grace to do this. And we don't have to do this alone because you promised us a helper, Jesus. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come and help us do this. Anoint our words as we share. Make them powerful. Give us wisdom and give us boldness as we seek to spread your gospel and see others hear the good news that we have heard and we have responded to as we have put our trust in you. So lead us from here, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come on forward. And otherwise, we will see you next Sunday. God bless you.